This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. Golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore, and we had such a fun time transposing first season TNG episodes to fourth season TOS episodes last time, we thought we'd do it again. Again, the early seasons of The Next Generation were really a transitional period between the Star Trek of old and the Star Trek of new, and they were still figuring out how to update their storytelling techniques for the late 1980s and find the winning formula for what would become, at the time, modern Star Trek. While that may seem like such a simple thing today with over 700 episodes of the franchise to look back on in 1986, 87, 88... There were only the three seasons of TOS to look back on as any kind of guide of how to do Star Trek, and the structure and style of the original series is often what they fell back upon. Yeah, you know, when you came up with this concept for the first time we did this, I thought it was a lot of fun, and you could see a lot of the similarities in season one. I think it gets a little harder as you dive into. I know the uh, the first three seasons were very, very difficult for them to get find themselves and to move forward. And if, if, if you haven't seen Chaos on the Bridge, I think it tells a great story of what they were up against and all the players. And I had heard many interviews with David Gerald and others that kind of discussed that, but that, 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 the, um, that, that little documentary did a really, really nice job of summing it and getting you to know the characters, uh, and I mean the characters behind the scenes, and also the different perspectives of what happened. So now that we understood all the different writers that they had, and they had a wall full of them that came and went and tried and didn't, now it gets it gets really fascinating because you, you have some of the old guard leaving, the new guard coming in, but some of the older concepts still playing. So I'm ready to get into this. Yeah, you know, to your point, Ken, it, it wasn't quite as easy this time around. I mean, you look at the first season and you could, I mean, we, we named a handful of episodes and, and you know, we might, we might go back and talk about some more first season episodes down the road if you guys would like us to. But, you know, th- that was a very easy, you know, uh, like I said last time, the word replacement tool, so easy to use uh, on those scripts. But you look at season two, it's a little more, a little harder to kind of massage the stories to fit that TNG peg in that TOS hole. But this time around, we've picked a few episodes from TNG's second season, that we feel with just a few uses of that word replacement tool could have easily been part of year five of the five-year mission. Absolutely. So let's kick this thing off. Yes, let's talk about The Child. Now, The Child is obviously one of those episodes that was originally written for Star Trek Phase Two, and they used it for TNG Season 2 because of the writer's strike of 1988. Uh, That writer's strike cut TNG's second season down to 22 episodes from its standard 26 
and even two of those were the clip show shades of gray <laughs> and this episode the child now uh you know you hear you know when people talk about uh early tng and, and we even we, we've seen in our discussions after our last uh podcast about this again people are like oh well you know they were taking all these scripts from tos and phase two and putting them on tng no not 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 true they only took two scripts from phase two one of them being devil's due which came in season four and one of them being the child here and when you know what phase two was about and who the characters are you can easily see all those phase two characters decker ilea zahn in the data role you could see them in this episode all over the place um so this isn't you know we're not we're not talking about phase two here we're talking about tos i'm gonna look at it through that lens and how you could fit those characters because you know in season five of tos you wouldn't have you know decker and ilea and zon these are all characters who were invented for phase two so if you did the child on tos i still think you could do it because it has that flavor of early star trek as it was written in the 70s you don't really need the empathic connection between the mother and the child in my opinion because you know obviously in phase two it would have been Ilea because the Deltons had these very vaguely defined you know abilities <laughs> uh from the motion picture and then obviously would have had them in phase two and the next generation obviously Troy was from Beta Z so she was a telepath but I don't think you need that I think you could do this episode with Uhura as the mother of the child and once again we're always looking for the great Nichelle Nichols that get something more to do and I think this could have been a great Uhura episode Ken Oh, I agree with you. It's interesting. This uh, this was done again, I, I want to say, on New Voyages or Continues. I can't remember which yeah, one. Yeah, Star Trek Phase 2 slash New Voyages did that do one. this episode. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, and I thought they did a good job with it, and, and it kind of painted the same picture. I agree with you that this would have been a, a, a big role for Uhura, and it would have been controversial. I mean, this is a very controversial episode, as a lot of people get into this, and, and they, they, they tend to... Um, they really to focus and hone in on the creation of the child itself and, and what that represents. So I think at the time, this would have been even more so, but it would have been wonderful, I think, for, for Nichelle. I agree with you. You don't need the empath. The the Ilea, Decker, and Zahn characters were all recreated in the next generation. So once the, the motion picture uh, I guess didn't take off on its own with its own set of characters and and all those things changed at the end when when phase two was out many of the elements of the next generation were woven into what would have been phase two especially Decker and Riker and Ilea and um and Troy it, it, they are the same characters for <laughs> yeah. all intents and purposes indeed for the episode itself, yeah, it definitely would have worked very, very well in the TOS environment. And I like it, too, when they dove into those bottle shows, and this was definitely a bottle episode, right? Everything takes place, for the most part, on the ship. Uh, I always thought that that was the best environment for TOS, you know, because it kept you kind of grounded. And uh, anyway, from for my opinion, yeah, this 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 would have worked. I think it, it would have been um, probably one of the easier ones to, I guess, to, to put together for, for TOS in season two. Yeah, this is this would be 1970 at this point uh, That's for, right. uh, for the original series, season five, the five-year mission, right? Because that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at, look, we could take some TNG episodes from season one and make that TOS season four. Now we're taking some episodes from TNG season two making that TOS season five. So, you know, 1970, uh, it was a bold, it was a bold new world out there. So, you know, the, the, the 60s to 70s transition from what I've seen in Redkin, I was not around <laughs> then. But Rub it from in. What, 
from what I've seen from uh, the History Channel and, and these these ancient Earth tapes. You know? Wow. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, buddy. Well, you, you know, no, it's funny on Star Trek whenever they talk about stuff from the 20th century. Like, oh, I believe ancient Earth. I'm like, ancient Earth? It's like 200 years ago, man. <laughs> like, you're really overdoing it there. A combustion engine, Captain. It's fascinating. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, so the 70s, well, you know, I feel like they, you know, the women's uh, rights movement got all this stuff going on. So this could have been a very empowering story for, you know, a female main character who had been underserved the entire show. So I would have loved to see Nichelle Nichols get something to do here. And and it would be a very emotional, you know, it is. It's a very emotional moment at the end of the story when the child, you know, dies and leaves. It's very powerful. Yeah. And, you know, one thing, and, and, and listen, I don't want to dive too far into controversial matters, but in 1970, Roe v. Wade hadn't passed. Right. So part of that controversy, in a sense, wouldn't have existed. It would have existed today looking back at it. But during that time, not to say that that, that people wouldn't say it's right or wrong or, you know, that that Uhura or Ilea or Troy should or should not have been impregnated. That's not where I'm going. I'm just saying that back then it would have been viewed differently because it was a very different mindset at that time. Things were changing and changing fast. And um and and I think this this would have been a fascinating show to look back on, just like people are doing now. But when this was actually made into a TNG episode, a lot of things have changed since 1970. And then obviously you have your you know subplot with Wesley. We just drop that because there's no Wesley analog character on the original series. Uh, and then your, your disaster of the week, crisis of the week, would be the the viruses. Uh, you know, Jordy's dealing with our scientific guest star of the week to uh to do that you know you could easily transpose that over to scotty dealing with you know one of these federation scientists that we always run into uh so that that's just an easy uh translation to to tos and you know tos did have a shuttle bay we'd seen that set so to your point again this is a perfect bottle episode to, to use on standing sets and you know they, they did it on a fan production series which just shows that it's completely doable with a budget of a uh, you know a fifth season of tos on NBC, so so that's mm-hmm. the child. Uh, you know, maybe down the road, you know, we'll have some crossover with Saturday Morning Trek. We'll talk some Phase Two. We can get into that nitty gritty at another time because that that era of Star Trek is, is of great interest to me. Just that that true lost era of the seventies and all these Phase Two scripts. And you know, and so like I said, this is only one of two scripts. I know it's a very we've seen comments like this. It's, it's a big misconception that that you know TNG was taking all these. TOS and Phase 2 scripts left and right. This is only one of two times they did this, and it was in you know in desperate times, and they had no other material to work with because of the writer's strike. So Yeah, that was one of the things I saw in Chaos on the Bridge, too. They had to have a certain, a certain amount of episodes in order to remain profitable in the early years, right? So they, they had to get above that 2022 number, and uh, they squeezed it in with this, and like you said... <laughs> <laughs> Shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it, it's interesting because you, you look back, everybody looks back on Star Trek. Oh, man, they had to do 26 scripts a season. That's crazy. You know, hour-long television, and that is a lot. So, you know, the, the strike-shortened season became 22 episodes, and that is the network standard these days, 22 episodes. Uh, you know, most hour-long dramas are, you know, on, on, the, on the big networks, the big four networks or five networks, if you count the CW. I do because I'm a big fan of, you know, the Flash and Arrow and all that, but <laughs> those are those are all 22 episodes. Uh, but but even that's too much, right? There's a lot of filler, so you know I think I think the ideal length for a season is probably around 13. 
so maybe we, we can have some fun one day, maybe go through some Star Trek seasons and only count like thir- the 13 we would keep <laughs> or something like that. It's an idea for a file that away for another time. But <laughs> Yeah, we, we could look at that. Uh, my, my commentary on that is, you know, 13 episodes, they all better be good. Because the season's pretty short, right? And even in bad episodes, you can find good things. Or, you, you know, you, you just enjoy watching the show, even if they're bad, that you laugh about them. So I, I understand where you're going. I would say somewhere between 15 and 18 episodes. You know, it, it is funny, too, because when you look at it through an actor's lens and they talk about the hours they work, I laugh my ass off. It's like, man, you guys are so spoiled. They really are. I was even, uh, I was going through Leonard Nimoy's book, and, and, and God rest his soul, I love him. But he was saying when he was making Star Trek Four, right, which is, there's a time-limiting factor. This is not a full-time job. But when he had to come in and get up at 5 a.m. And I went, oh, gas, 5 a.m. <laughs> just, just like, okay, guys. You know, and then you, you still have, uh, you know, a couple couple of three months off there uh, to rest and, and get things back. So, listen, I don't want to say that uh, uh, people don't work hard or, or whatnot. I know they do. And I, I know it's it's a different world, too. It's a different world. But at the at the end of the game, you're you're probably getting paid at a rate far greater than any other role. And uh, it's temporary, right? I mean, even six, seven years of that stuff, it's it's hard, no doubt. But they all have an end to it, and uh, you're well compensated. So quit your griping. <laughs> you tell him, Ken. That's how I feel, man. Just work. Work your butt off. <laughs> <laughs> well, on to our next episode, The Outrageous Okana. Or Okona. I've always said Okona, but apparently it's Okana. I've, I haven't watched this episode very much because it's it's not a very good one. So uh, I, I forget <laughs> how it, I forget how his 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 name is pronounced. See, this episode it's a it's it's a silly comedy or you know attempted comedy story uh, that would be much more at home at TOS than TNG in my opinion. Obviously, you would drop the data B plot, uh, but expand the A plot, and you know this could just be a new character of Okana. Uh, a new just just kind of Cyrano Jones, Harry Mudd type guy you run across, or it could be another Mud episode for Harry Mudd because you know they had brought him back. He's the only guest star to appear in TOS more than once. It's the same character, uh, major guest star. We're talking, you know, not not like a crew member or anything like Riley right. or Doctor Mbenga. I'm talking about like you know guest star of the week. Uh, so you know between Mud's woman and I Mud, he came back in the animated series even. And Mud's right. passion, so you know he's a regular guy. They love Roger C. Carmel, and and I'm sure they would have loved to bring him back. You know, if, if the show kept going in seasons four and five, um, so it could have been another uh, another Mud episode because I felt like you know o- Okana was kind of TNG's answer to the Mud character, uh, but but you know whose appeal I never understood, to be honest. Are, are you are you a fan of Harry Mud? I like the yeah I, I like Mud's women more than than I'm well no wait a minute I Mud was the second one I like the second one um, <laughs> better than Mud's women let me be careful about that one and and I thought that Carmel when the first one he was a real creeper you know what I mean <laughs> and then in the second one he was he was pretty entertaining and he was a big name back in the sixties I think the problem with putting him in the in the role of Okana, Okana, which is just O'Connor speaking in Boston, Okana, <laughs> welcome to New England. I can say that because I am. Um, that it would not have worked with him. They would have had to come up with, I guess maybe, um, you know, who who was popular back then as as a big star. Maybe Joe Namath, you know, because he was guest star on the Brady Bunch back then, uh, or or somebody who was really handsome. 
and and could play that role well. I think if they flipped it like that, they could have done it because that's that's what it was all about. I mean, it was just this guy who was just a you know a player, so to speak, and and you know the the women really found him attractive, and he was able to do whatever he wanted on the Enterprise. I mean, completely whatever he wanted. And and I thought the plot was weak at best. I mean, it was definitely a um, I, I don't know. I've used this term before, but I I don't ever want to take take anybody's creative work who probably put in a ton of effort into things and just trash it but i i just found it to be a very quick very common trope that we've seen before right the, when, the, know, the, the charming a, rogue and yeah I, yeah yeah and this one you know and this family against this family yeah romeo and juliet it's a tale as yeah. old as shakespeare literally well, well sort of except that he was set up and you know um being held accountable for a pregnancy he didn't create or something right. if i remember right but at any rate i i i think it would be an easy episode for the original series to do. It definitely, as you say, it it would have been considered a weak third season episode in the fifth season if they were to do it. Because it just wasn't that good. You know, that that's that's where I struggle. But it would have been funny, okay, who would have been that that seventies stud muffin that they would have brought on? I mean I mean the original so kinda you know, you look at it now and you see the mullet and you just kinda laugh, you know. It's like, okay. So it's it's three or four hundred years in the future. But hey, you know, bell bottoms have been around two or three times since they went out of fashion, so I guess it could come back. Right. Well and then you know, I I feel like uh obviously this is TOS season five, it's pre Star Wars. And I feel like Okana was kind of kind of a Han Solo trying to be a Han Solo ripoff, like the Charming Rogue. I, know, I mean, I know that's a trope of fiction, but I feel like specifically just a Devil May Care attitude, and he's got, literally has a vest, and, you know, it's this very Han Solo-esque. Uh, so I don't know, you know, just thinking of this, because I hadn't, I hadn't thought about this until we are talking about it, who, who would have played Okana if it were a new character? What about Adam West, huh? Too old. Fresh off of Batman, too old? Too old. Too old. <laughs> you, know, it, it, you know, I was thinking, like, uh you know, maybe uh, Davy Jones comes over from the monkeys. Wouldn't that have been, you know, kind of appropriate considering why Chekhov was there in the first place? But yeah. something like that would have would have worked out. I mean, I'm I'm trying to remember who the uh, who the big stars were. You know, Frankie Avalon. Those types of, of of folks would have would have been fun to see, I guess. But you know, on a side note with the outrageous Okana, the um, the transporter technician there, Terry Hatcher. Yes. Right? I mean. Yes. That's where that I think it was. I don't know if that was her debut, but and I know it wasn't a very big role, but um, that's that's kind of where I guess one of the earlier parts of her career got going before Lois and Clark took off. Right. I mean, th- th- that's one of the most notable pieces of trivia about this episode is Terry Hatcher is the transporter chief who is seduced by Okana. So it's it's cool to see her in her early career. And by the way, and Okana was played by Billy Campbell, who was mm-hmm. the runner up to Riker. Uh, behind Jonathan Frakes, and of course, he, he his probably his probably his biggest claim to fame is being the star of the Rocketeer, right? Which was a great movie. I, I really enjoyed that film. You know, they're making a sequel to that apparently. Really? Yeah, it's it's like a it's what I call a requel. At least uh, it sounds like you know the, the, this current trend we have of requels, which are sequels that are remakes, which is you know The Force Awakens, Creed, Jurassic World. You know, people are jumping on this requel train. And it sounds like it's going to be something like that. Like, it's going to be a reboot, but it could also serve as a sequel. And I don't know if any of the original cast is going to be in it or not, but it, it definitely sounds like uh, that's the direction they're going. So that, that's that's the word on the street. Look that up. So, hey, it'd be great to see Billy Campbell and some stuff. I think, you know, even though this episode is not very good, I think he's a fun actor. 
mm-hmm. I like to see him in more stuff. But uh, yeah, just all kinds of yeah. trivia about this episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, may- maybe the way to define this episode was it was kind of benign. You know, it did it didn't hurt, it didn't help. It was just kind of there, and you got a few laughs here and there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we were talking about a couple episodes in our in our discussion on season one episodes. So generic, it could slot into any series. You know, kind of like too short a season, right? Not terrible, not awesome. Just a, a, a sci-fi story plugging into any, not only any Star Trek show, but like any sci-fi show, you can get away with it. And that's what you could do in this episode, because the aliens aren't too alien. They're just, you know, they're human looking, right? We have very limited sets, so just very easy to translate into, you know, what we can only assume would be a continually dwindling budget if TOS got to a fifth season. So so, so do you think Bill Shatner would have allowed a, a young stud muffin to, to come in and you know, I, I, I could see them rewriting the script a little bit so it became almost competitive or or a hint of jealousy because obviously as the captain of the ship, you you can't do what O'Connor's doing, right? You, you're, <laughs> you're, you're watching from afar with a very different view going, oh man, if I wasn't captain, would that be me type of thing, you know? Mm. <laughs> because, no, that's true, you know, and they, you know they, we had lots of pretty yeomans on, on the Enterprise, so I'm sure, you know, they could serve the role as, as you know, the Terry Hatcher served to to show his powers of seduction. So, yeah, that's, sure, that's a good sure. point about, about Shatter. Because we heard about the whole, the the uh, no pun intended, but the Star Wars between Shatner and Nimoy, you know. Uh, I can only imagine when, when, you know, if they had some, you know, specifically, let's bring on a big sex appeal guest star, how Shatner would have reacted to that. Because they didn't they didn't really do that as far as men were concerned. I mean, I guess Ricardo Montalban would be the only one that comes to mind that could kind of, you know, take attention away from Shatner. Everybody else was just like an old scientist or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think from week to week, you know, Shatner's, um, Shat, Shat, both Nimoy and Shatner, I think, had equal responsibility. And they both had egos within their own. I think Shatner's just a little bit more vocal about it. And Leonard Nimoy, he played it well, right? But if you read his books, it was it was definitely there. And he, you know, Nimoy did not get along with Gene Roddenberry since the original series aired because of what he wanted or how he felt the character should be. And, you know, it, it, you know, it was it was just kind of a it was kind of a rough go. But at any rate, um, I, I could definitely see them changing the script a little bit to have this 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 stud guy come on board and, you know, and, and the women kind of fawning over him. And and Shatner, you know, watching all this and really getting, you know, ticked <laughs> off or whatever and, and wanting to compete, but he can't because of his position. And it would just be that would be funny. Right. Because because you could because because just the expressions on Spock's face or or McCoy when they're talking to him about it, you know, where he's probably he's trying to hide it. But the audience knows that would have been funny. That alone would have made it work better on TOS than it did on TNG. So, yeah, yeah. Moving on to our next episode, Contagion. Uh, Now, this is the episode where the Enterprise D finds the Iconian Gateway. Uh, Its sister ship, the Yamato, gets destroyed. They run into the Romulans around the neutral zone. So you take all these elements, and I feel like they translate very, very well to the original series. uh, Because, you know, TOS was fond of showing us sister ships to the Enterprise where something went horribly wrong. (laughs) <laughs> Every That's time true. we see another Constitution class starship, uh, the crew has been wiped out, the ship's been destroyed, things like that. So this would be in that tradition, and this is really the only time on TNG we we get to see that. I always loved seeing the other Constitution class ships. I know it was a budget saving uh, factor, you know, creating more bottle shows of dressing up the existing sets as quote another ship. 
but uh, it just to me it added to that you know the tapestry of the Federation and Starfleet when you got to see other uh, starships and things like that. So you could see that here, uh, the Romulans being at play again, which would be great. And we, you know we only saw them in three episodes of the original series. It'd been great to see them some more. Uh, to kind of keep that one Romulan episode per season uh, going. It would have been great to see him here. Uh, we can see another Romulan female commander. You know, obviously we saw the Romulan right. female commander in Enterprise Incident. Romulan commander here in Contagion and TNG was female commander. So more, you know, well, it's welcome diversity, right? And the ancient, powerful civilization trope of the Iconians is right at home in the original series. Uh, you know, with this, this long dead race with this extremely sophisticated technology that if fall into the wrong hands could spell doom for the galaxy as we know it. So uh, that's why, you know, they set the uh, self-destruct at the end to erase it uh, and keep it out of Romulan hands. So uh, the only real change that you have to make here is they control all delete solution, <laughs> you know, as I call it, uh, to this episode to, to fix the Enterprise. That would have to be thought up differently since data would not be there to be the analog for the ship. Obviously, the Iconian virus infects data and the Enterprise, and they fix data by turning them off and turning it back on, which is you know, IT support 101. So <laughs> they would just have to come to that conclusion differently. So Yeah, yeah. It's like calling the help desk. Is it plugged in? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> uh, I find that this episode, I think, would have been a little harder to pull into TOS. Not not impossible, but a little harder. I, I agree with you about finding another sister ship, uh, but another it, TOS. It, it was really tropey. Uh, in in TNG, it wasn't. You you didn't come in touch with a lot of ships that just went boom. A- anyway, t- you know, it's interesting too that they 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 chose the name Yamato, a very very powerful bad guy warship in World War II, and you know, I, I doubt they do it with the Bismarck, but that's for another that's for another show. But uh, I, I do I do think that it, it could have been pulled off. It just would have been harder because I think, you know, how many episodes did we have the ancient civilization, the computer that goes nuts and the ship that uh, that they encounter, you know, meet a bad fate? It would have worked. But I think a lot of people would have come back uh, at the time or maybe afterwards and said, yeah, we've seen this like four times or five times before on on your show. Um, however, it, it it definitely was doable. I just think it fit very, very nicely in the TNG universe and would have been a little bit more of a struggle. But uh, in, and you're right. It, there would have had to have been a different solution to the fixing of the virus on the ship because I don't even think that term existed back then, right? So it would have had to be something that was reprogramming the computers and they would have had to find something else to deprogram the programming that was going on and you know that's where where spock and his uh his incredible talents could have been can brought into the fold i think and 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 worked it that way so it 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 would have been fun but again i think it would have been something we would have said yeah we we've seen that before right well you know to that point about the the solution at the end it wasn't some ridiculous techno babble solution you know and as we talk about more episodes more episodes here i'm going to keep coming back to that it was not ridiculous techno babble therefore it could easily fit into tos like oh we need to invert the heisenberg compensators and the flux you know whatever it was like you know turn it off and turn it back on you know uh <laughs> it's, it's like in the futurama episode where they parody the original series they're joking about the simple analogies in star trek it's like it's like putting too much air in a balloon <laughs> you know and this, that's the kind of stuff that, that the solutions they would find uh on the original series so i i think it would work uh i I really do and it'd be cool to see what would it be ken would it be a romulan battlecruiser or would it be a romulan bird of praise that's 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 my my point of obsession on this podcast the romulan klingon ships but uh i guess i guess it would be another romulan battlecruiser because you know they're not going to remake 
uh, the bird of prey that's been established that, that we could we could see Kirk on and then he gets beamed away at the end. So anyway, yeah, I I, I think this will work nicely and uh, and then you know maybe I, I don't think uh, I don't think Scotty would have quite a wild ride in the turbo lift the way Jordy did. <laughs> In this episode, but maybe you oh, know we could, not. Yeah. we could see some more angles of the turbo lift. But that was a pretty a pretty fun, impressive. Uh, it was it was uh, Mr. LaForge's wild ride, as I call it. Well, now now you know why it was important to have the handlebar, right? Yeah. So without without the handlebar, <laughs> if he let go, the thing would have just stopped. So it was a great failsafe, uh, and they got so cocky. Eighty years later, they didn't build those into their turbo lift. So shame on them. Well, moving on to our next episode, the Roy Al. Uh, this is a classic uh, alternate Earth story. Uh, you know, we could use standing sets and existing costumes and all this thing. So immediately the, the uh, producer would be like, oh, yeah, this is a great money saver. We can do this. Because if you look at that stretch in season two where it's like patterns of force and bread and circuses and, you know, you, you go to so many Earth-type planets, you know, uh, piece of the action. Let's let's use these costumes and sets we have from other productions. You could easily do that. Uh, with the Royale. Uh, the discovery of a lost Earth probe or ship has been used on TOS many times before, where no man has gone before, Return of the Archon, stuff like that. They're looking for mi- uh, ships that have gone missing. And then, you know, obviously the landing party here would be Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, because, you know, that's who else <laughs> would beam down to a mysterious planet than the captain, the first officer, and the chief medical officer. And then in this episode, you know, they, they do cut back to the ship a lot on, on Next Generation because Picard is reading the novel of the Royale and stuff like that. I feel like there would be less of that in this episode. Scotty would probably be in command. And and uh, I, I would equate what they would do yep. in this episode to uh, what they do in Cat's Paw, where they just cut back to the ship and, and they're of no help whatsoever. There's like two scenes and they're like, I don't know, can we do anything? I don't know, let's keep trying. And that, that would be it. There were, all That's the it, yep. conflict resolution would be from the landing party come from Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Uh, and then, of course, at the end, there is no technobabble explanation for this either. It's just, it's just a space mystery. Yeah. Which is which is refreshing, you know, and because uh, some things you're just not going to know, and I like that about you know uh, early Star Trek where you didn't have to have some. You just here's here's why all this happened, and then you know the the last scene could probably be some philosophical but amusing conversation between Kirk, Spock, and McCoy on the bridge, and that would wrap everything up. And so I feel like this fits the flavor of like the fun. Let's embrace this absurd alternate Earth reality we find ourselves in that that TOS did so often. Yeah, I'm beginning to think we're almost doing a, an origins episode here because <laughs> when when you, when you look at the Royale, you're right. You, you know, you you mentioned a piece of the action amongst others uh, where you know you, you find yourself back on a planet and there's all these similarities, and then you've got to figure out the mystery, right? And back your way through it. And and I I could definitely see them using the tricorder to read the novel as they go to set things up. Uh, and and you're right, it would have been Kirk, Spock, and McCoy on the surface, which would have been perfect. I found this to be a um, an episode that I don't know why I always was squeamish watching it. I just really? f- yeah, I have no idea. You know, and and you know, let me say for the record, I am a big TNG fan. Always have been, uh, and 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 really wanted it to be successful. And I think because it was Star Trek, and I was a big TOS fan at the time, I was jaundice because i was like come on you guys have got to get good you've got to get good and then the royale came on i went this isn't good this isn't good <laughs> come on we can do better than this and uh and in 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 that light i was like yeah this this easily could have fit into and i wouldn't even say it would be a good episode for tos it just would have been something yeah very much like uh, contagion we've seen it before right and and it's funny that in doing this series in doing this um and having this discussion with you and this in this brilliant concept that you brought up 
it does bring everything home, right? Because if you think about it, the first three years, they were deliberately trying to separate themselves as much as possible under huge constraints, right? To not be like the other show or even mention it. And then when you have these discussions, you realize just how much it was <laughs> like TOS. Even yeah. in its second year, we, we still we still have these these cliche plots that are just like, okay, yeah, all right, remove the gangster, put in a casino, right? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, okay, Roddenberry, we can't say Spock and Sarek, but let's have this alternate Earth plot. You know, it, it's, it's, you know the, the substance is still very much TOS if the style is not. So that's, that's, a, good, that's a good call out there, Ken. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. the, uh, anyway. I don't know. See the Royale. I, I like the Royale. You know, I think it's fun. I, uh, I think, I think season two of TNG is probably the most underrated season because people assume like, oh, well the show didn't get good till they had collars. There's no collars. It's, it's no good. I disagree. I mean, I feel like the end of season one's a really good run. I feel like season two, they were just, there was a lot space was a dangerous, mysterious place back then. They could run into stuff with no explanation. They were telling sci-fi stories You know, they, they were trying out some things. It, everything felt fresh. You know, and new, and because I look at like season five of TNG, for example, and feel like, all right, there just it felt kind of stale. You mm-hmm. know, uh, just okay. We, we what diplomatic mission are we on this week? You know, but in season two they were out there anomalies left and right and all kinds of stuff, and that was exciting to me. And, you know, that, and that leads us to our next episode that I wanted to discuss: Times Squared. What do you think of Times Square, by the way? Before we get into this, because I found it appara- apparently mm-hmm. people don't like this episode. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, I like this episode, and don't get me wrong. There were there were a lot of episodes in season one and two I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would just say, as a whole, it just wasn't. It, it, TNG was really struggling to find itself. And me personally, I just once they let Picard become human and fallible in TNG, that's when the show really took off for mm-hmm. me. Because then it was it was more believable. Because I had a tough time. If people were supposed to be evolving and there not be any conflict, um, treating somebody um, as a superior being, which they were to a degree, just, you know, he was the captain and we do that. And it's like, that's just not reality. And as we learn, as we as we grow older, too, that that good leadership um, doesn't mean that people become infallible. All of our best leaders in history had issues. So when they turn the corner on that, that's when it really took off. And for me... Um, there were, like I said, there were a lot of episodes. I, I, I love TNG. So uh, Times Squared was one of those episodes I really enjoyed. You know what? Because I couldn't figure it out. I, I just, I, you know, in watching it, one, it had great special effects, I thought. It was pretty clever in its premise. And I hadn't seen anything like it. We've seen duplicate Kirks and, and things like that because of the... Uh, the transporter and, and so forth and so on and the, and the, um, the clone. But this was very original, I thought. And it would have been able to translate perfectly into TOS as well. I mean, because it, it's just a clever episode. It's not one that I'm saying I liked it in the TOS space because the TOS space did something similar. They really didn't. This one just, it, it, it would have been fun to watch on um, in either series. And, and I thought it played very well in TNG, and it would have played very well in TOS. But um, I guess maybe a little jaundice just because of the... Uh, like I said, the special effects in this for its time, I thought were pretty cool. That would have been harder for the TOS team to pull off. Obviously, it wouldn't be that elaborate, right? It would be right. It'd probably be probably like black screen or something, a void in space more than like a vortex in space, perhaps. 
well, since they were so into using shots over shots over shots, it could be going through, you know, where no no man has gone before. Right, oh, we're at the Galactic Barrier again, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, in yeah. this case, it's just an anomaly. But, yeah, it's it's this is, a, this is a good episode, I think, that would play well either way. I agree. Well, you know, and the other thing in this episode is uh, Troy plays a big role in it uh, because the sensing the, you know, what's up with the alternate Picard because the, he, the, no one can communicate with him, but she senses emotions from him, and Spock could feel that role. By you know mind melding with him and then being like overpowered uh, by by his perverse uh, emotions and stuff and that that was what was so cool about this episode and just just a very far out there sci-fi concept you know because he had come from the future like he was out of sync with our time the closer that the time periods got together the more aware uh, and and active the alternate Picard was and, and and that's cool I mean a criticism of that is oh there's time travel all the time in Star Trek and that's not how it works well it's all fiction how does it work <laughs> right but oh, yeah, y- yeah. Y- you you look at the TOS and they they are very inconsistent about like alternate universes and time travel you look at the alternative factor for alternate universes right and then you look at mirror mirror and those are very different interpretations of what uh, alternate universes are right but you know that it was it was it was the 60s it was the final frontier they were trying stuff out so they could experiment with different kinds of time travel you know look in the naked time like oh we went back in time three days okay well on to our next mission like okay well we got to think about what are the consequences of that <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, is there another enterprise out there right now because we traveled back in time you know they didn't really think that stuff through so i would say that you know the lack of continuity between you know the time travel as presented in Times squared fits in better with tos than it does in tng mm-hmm. and then you know the shuttle bays like we're talking about it's a that's an existing set they have a full shuttle prop so that's not a problem this is another bottle show it's all very self-contained on the enterprise uh and we we've seen duplicate kirks many times before and this is just in the grand tradition of tos you gotta have as much shatner as possible which i'm sure shatner would be happy about and I just I love to see you know Shatner playing Shatner trying to reason with himself at the end you know because Picard sure. is so dead set to to fulfill his you know his mission and, and his programming because that's what you know he is it's programming him to do because he did it before so that would have been cool to see uh, and then yeah and then the, and then once again there's no solution like you said Ken I, I you couldn't understand this episode I like how I just left this great space mystery you know even at the end you know mm-hmm. Picard and Riker are amusing about it and that's something that Spock and Kirk or McCoy and Kirk or whoever could talk about at the end, just kind of ponder about like, what, what did we just experience? Well, what's interesting too, is maybe I have to rethink my Picard being infallible remark because the, the one caught in the, the, the spatial time displacement was pretty fallible, right? He caused the destruction mm-hmm. of the enterprise, but they showed him, they killed him. So yeah. that's that. <laughs> well, that's an excellent point you make. And you know, as, as we go on our tangents here, as as we we're so prone to do, which I enjoy, is my favorite part of the show. Dis- not oh, discussing sure. not discussing the topic, but discussing the tangents. Uh, <laughs> when you mentioned you know Picard becoming human, it's the great irony is that by taking away his humanity and making him a Borg, they made him human. They gave him humanity uh, by seeing his fallibleness there, and that was that truly that was the great pivot of, of TNG there. And ever since then, uh, that uh, encounter with the Borg informed Picard's character. Uh, in subtle and not so subtle ways as we go on to see in iBorg and First Contact and things like that. So uh, absolutely so. Well, that's why Family, for me, is it It may be my all-time favorite Star Trek episode of all series. I'm not sure. I've never really gone through series to series. I know which which ones I enjoy from series to series. But for whatever reason, um, you know, oh, best of both worlds. I was like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I've, I've you know, I've been... Um, I've I've gotten some I guess questions like really it's just okay it's like yeah it's just okay but family 
no, that that was a game changing episode for me and how I viewed the captain, how I how I enjoyed the show. Um, it it tugged on me, right? And and that's I guess you're right. You know, if if it wasn't for best of both worlds, it couldn't set up. Um, I guess Picard's change, and of course, by the end of the the series, in all good things, he had come full circle. Um, and then he became Robo Captain in the movies. So cool. <laughs> Robo Captain. But anyway, uh, so yeah, for for this episode, it would have worked. It definitely would have worked. I, I think it uh, it it would have fit very nicely. And and I agree with you. I I love the uh, the two Shatners anyway, because uh, <laughs> you know for him it's like double the screen time anyway, and he's going to be a happy puppy dog over that. Right. I'm sure he would have counted the lines that he got in subs. So I'd be very pleased. <laughs> That would have added up to more than anyone else's. But <laughs> uh, So Times Squared is a good episode of TNG. Our next episode is not a good episode of TNG. Up the Long Ladder. Um, this is a strange mix of just a goofy comedy plot with the Irish settlers. And then and then it just it really changes to like kind of a serious sci-fi plot with cloning. And they just do not mesh together very well. And... You know, I, I I don't know how exactly, but you know, I don't have it all mapped out or anything. But I, I feel like if this was reworked for TOS, it, it could have worked together a lot better. And then also, we could have gotten a reuse of the Finnegan music from Shoreleaf, right? <laughs> for all, for all the yeah. settlers, that would have been great. And you know, obviously, uh, Kirk would have been seduced or uh, seduced the Irish woman. I'm not sure. I'm actually not sure who was the instigator there in the episode. If it was her or Riker, they both seem to be equally <laughs> seducing each other. But that would right. obviously be Kirk. As we were talking about earlier, I'm sure Shatton would have insisted that that would have been him. <laughs> and then, you know, when they shift to going down to the planet and, you know, being knocked out and cloned. Well, hey, once again, another Kirk duplicate, right? Let's let's keep that theme going. <laughs> Kirk could be cloned again. He would kill his clone again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I would say, you know, I'm, I, I know I've been given a lot of the uh, the female roles uh from tng to uhura here i feel like maybe they, they could pivot and make this one and this episode uh pulaski's role could go to nurse chapel being you know medical and whatnot it just makes a lot of sense yeah to get for more to yeah. do yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree this this was a tough episode to to watch for many reasons i think and again <laughs> it, you know it's one of those things where when you see a, a when they throw stereotypes into the mix, you just kind of go, oh, why are you doing this? Because this is so not Star Trek, right? So here's the the planet with all the sophisticates and, and the cloning or whatever kind of have the refined British accents, and the and the farmers and the peasants are all Irish, right? <laughs> and it's just like, ooh, you, you know, I, I don't know if there was any intention in that, but I, I always wonder, too, how, how different people, you know, how, how, how would our folks in Ireland watch this show and go... Yeah, okay. This is not not exactly how we <laughs> how we'd like to be looked at. And you know, it was it was funny, it was cute in a lot of ways, but I felt it's funny how those things, you know, there there's certain things that are very controversial that I can watch and I go, "Yeah, it didn't seem that controversial to me." And it goes right over my head and people are screaming. And then there's this one where I go, "Man, I think this is <laughs> incredibly um uh, biased, prejudiced—I—I I don't know what what the right word is—and just go, oh my God, the us, the they have and the have-nots and the attitude, or even her quirky dad, right? It's just like, ah, you know, <laughs> who spits in their hand to say, you know, come on. Well, you know, like, we, I mean, like the, we were talking about with Code of Honor, though, it's, it's, sim- it's similar, but but it would have felt more appropriately inappropriate back on TOS, you know, back in the back in the seventies. Like, you could write it off like, oh well, you know, it was the sixties, it was the seventies, it was a different time. So that that kind of just absurdity would have fit better with the original series than TNG because they should have known better by the late 1980s. Yeah. 
Right, I guess. And, and you know, <laughs> they could have done the whole thing and just taken the accents out of it, and it would have played fine. Mm-hmm. It well, would have it, would have been, it wouldn't have been funny, though, would it, Ken? Because this, this is the rip-roaring, knee-slapping <laughs> romp, right? Yeah, but, I mean, there are there are people that uh, that, that enjoy that, you know, um, I guess, you know, kind of staying their own way and being more traditional. There's nothing wrong with that, so to speak. It was just, you know, that, that snobbish attitude you, you got from— um, I don't even know what the name of the race was. The uh, I bring Lloydy. The, yeah, they were a great name. <laughs> anyway, could this have worked on TOS? It could have. Should it? No. Should it be in either episode? Should it be in either series? <laughs> Probably not. It's just one of those things. I do agree that that Nurse Chapel would have been a, a good person to get cloned, and you know that that's where I think probably the better part of the show exists with, you know, people. Um, getting it desperate and doing what it takes to survive and also be left alone where you know by the end the they have to they have to pry open with a crowbar and you have to introduce these you know undesirables uh into your into your society in order to save the race because they were all the same anyway right yeah. they just went two separate ways so at any rate yeah it would have been fun and i could have seen you know if you if you changed it to scottish colonists i, I don't think it would have made it any different as far as how it would have been viewed but it would have been funny for scotty anyway especially right. if they were talking about uh, history family uh, you know things along those lines. It it could have been just fine. Yeah, so. Scotty could have broken out the the green bottle of stuff and <laughs> had a, had a drink with her dad and made good times, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From that from that perspective, you're right. But they they didn't. You know, it's funny they they didn't pull O'Brien into this at right. all. He he just stayed at his station. <laughs> just stayed at his station. You know, probably going. You know, wishing he could just you know beam himself off the ship for this episode because <laughs> it, that that must have been hard for him to watch in a sense. You know, because I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Well, of course he wasn't uh, a main character at that point. Right. You know, or anything along those lines. So it's it's good to have the work. But I, I could kind of picture him. You know, kind of raising one finger to the uh, to the writers, going, um. Yeah, this doesn't play that well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to, to that point, and to really cross the streams here, I believe in the episode "If Wishes Were Horses" on Deep Space Nine. Uh, you know, they have Rumpelstiltskin, and originally that was supposed to be a leprechaun, but Colmini was like, "Yeah, I don't think we should do that." <laughs> I believe I need to double check, but th- that that's what I recall. Uh, yeah. reading or once like I always say I've assimilated so much Star Trek trivia over the years I'm not sure where I read or saw that but uh, I believe it <laughs> you know? well I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll either either Bichet or Ataz or whatever will we'll definitely let us know on the Babel conference who uh, if it was supposed to be a leprechaun or not I, I hadn't I hadn't I don't remember reading one way or the other but you know it's just one of those things listen I don't you know listen I, I don't think the intent was um was to what happened wasn't the intent let's put it that yeah, way it just yeah. happened okay and and I, I i get that and you know it was funny to a degree it's just maybe being uh, growing up in in boston and being a very irish town or whatever there's a lot of sensitivity like in boston if you say the word patty that's considered very insulting like a paddy wagon um because that's, that's you know it's, it's oh they're taking the drunk irish away and i didn't know i used to say paddy wagon all the time and then People got really mad at me in this Irish household. They went, uh-oh. So you, you learn your lesson, right? But you hear it all the time. St. Paddy's Day, that's considered derogatory to a lot of people. Who knew? I didn't know. Um, and I think for 99% of the people out there, the intent is very positive. But it just doesn't come off that way. 
So in this case, I'm sure the, the writers were, were looking for, for some fun. I also think the Irish accent is a lot of fun, right? It's, it's, it, it can be, it, you know, it, it, I guess it, it can be more uh, illustrative, you know, in the, in the facial expressions. You can have a great time. It's a great accent. So, I mean, you, you can have a good time with it. So at any rate, I, uh, it, it would have worked on TOS. It didn't really work on TNG. I, I don't know. So <laughs> I'm talking in circles. And, um, you know, you can reach me at, uh, oh, on the Babel Conference to, to, to destroy me. <laughs> I, I, I believe uh, uh, at Patty Wagon SEO is your uh, Twitter handle. Oh, right? oh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll be Jesus, lad. I'd be kicked out of the city. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> You know, I, I often know when I try to do accents, it's Scottish and Irish, it's hard to, to keep them separate from each other because they all start, when I try to do them, they start blending into each other. So uh, it's, it's fun. But we'll say Patty's Day, you know, it's, a, it's the best holiday in the world. Uh, <laughs> I, heard, I, I heard your Scottish world at the end of that phrase. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so yeah, if, if you're going to watch, you know, you, people are always trying to find, oh, it's a holiday. Which Star Trek episode should I watch? Well, obviously, this would be the one to watch on St. Patrick's Day. So raise a pint to you, lad. Um, That's true. Yep. So I want to I want to throw you one last curveball. I didn't put this in the notes, Ken. But uh, okay, shades of gray. What do you mm-hmm. think? Yeah. It, well, I'm trying to remember back in those days. Not that I was uh, alert and watching much TV. Haven't haven't. I am the same age as Star Trek, as we said. But I do remember that there were a lot of shows that would have those clips. That you know that that kind of thing. So would it have been easy to do to close out a season? I think so. The difference, like I said, the reason they don't work anymore is DVRs, CDs, Netflix, Hulu. Um, you don't need reminder episodes, right, to make you laugh anymore. So or or to think back. Um, right. But but at any rate, I yeah, it's shades of yeah. I mean, I understand they had to have one more episode. <laughs> And, you know, there's a lot of holes in that. Could that have worked on TOS? Absolutely, it could have. Well, I mean, TOS, um, used, if, you, if you add up all the stock footage they use from the Enterprise, you know, TOS probably has more stock footage than any other Star oh, Trek show. So it, it's, such a, it's, such, it's such a logical thing to think about this. Think about this, right? This could have been the series finale. Ooh. of the original series if this is the end of season five right it could have you know it could have been the series finale and at the time people probably said oh it was a great look back on the last five years you know obviously kirk would be the guy that would play the Riker role right we would get into kirk's mind and see his flashbacks uh we could see the action we could see the romance we could see it all mm-hmm. uh that would you know at the time it actually might have been a much better just fitting conclusion to tos than it was for season two of the next generation. I mean, because I, when I was a kid, I, I used to, I really liked Shades of Grey because I, my parents would tape, you know, Star Trek on VHS and off television, and I would watch them that way. And there were mm-hmm. a lot of episodes of early, you know, TNG season one, especially that I hadn't seen. And this is like, oh, cool! Look at all these cool Riker right, without a beard. What's he doing? I hadn't seen this episode, so <laughs> I enjoyed it that oh, way. Oh, I see. And yeah. and I felt like, you know, at the it, in 1970, 1971. If this was like the series finale of TOS, people might have felt like it was actually a very well done kind of retrospective look back, although it was an ultimate budget saving tool, you know, Uh, so I really think, you know, this is this really could have worked a heck of a lot better back in the TOS era than it would in TNG, because, you know, back then there was no there were no VCRs The people could not tape stuff off television. So if you missed it, you missed it. And if Star Trek was still in first run, it would not have been in syndication. And therefore, people would not have been as familiar 
well, there's, it as they there's were one point. there's one other element I think that would have made it better for TOS than it was for TNG, and that is TOS very rarely looked back and had any historical mentions of previous episodes building up to anything. Right, the timelines could have been all over the place for all we know. Uh, and, and everything was so episodic and contained within their episodes, there was never any reflection back. So from that perspective, it could have tied the the three years together in a neat bow. Five and years. Ki- well, five years, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot where we were. But let's say it was at the end of the third season or the end of the fifth season. Uh, I'm just thinking it in terms of, of where it truly ended. And if they were to do something like that, that would have been pretty neat because... I think a lot of um, the things that we liked about TNG, Deep Space Nine, more than any uh, in, in Voyager to another degree, even though they, they hit the reset button a lot, um, you know, things didn't just happen and then they were never spoken of again, you know, and, and that was a problem. I thought with TOS is, for whatever reason, they, they, never, they never talked about other things that happened in the past, and this could have been something that... Um, you know, could have could have pulled it all together at that time, and 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 pulled the show together a little bit stronger. Do I think it needed it? Probably not. It was fine. That's the way TV was done back then. But just from that whole thing, because TNG had already made that, I guess, I wouldn't say that commitment, but that understanding that uh, as as they progressed through seasons, they would speak of and they would revisit. Um, things that had happened in the past or people or characters or or mentioned situations, things along those lines. Uh, TOS didn't do that. That could have been kind of a neat way to, to, to pull it in. Now, could we come up with a better plot line than a thorn sticking them in the in the leg <laughs> and thinking about just how ridiculous the whole idea of beaming down to any planet whatsoever without the right protective gear should be or shouldn't be or some kind of scans to show you? They that weren't even a wearing gear. a shower curtain suit like in the naked time. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though you can take your glove off, lift up the hood and rub your nose. <laughs> you know, I mean, so that was, you know, that was definitely a human operator error. But, you know, I, I, yeah, this, this, this definitely could have worked. You know, as you talked about it and you brought it up, and I was trying to think about, oh, okay, how could it all come together? How could we have it in a nice bow at the end of a season? You could do it in TOS, and it would be looked at differently than what they did in TNG, which was, you know, hey, we need one more episode. Let's, you know, let's, let's shoot a softball up there. And well, yeah, and, they, they, they run out of budget. They had three days, I yeah. believe, to film it, and usually an episode takes seven to eight days. So just imagine that, right? Right. Right, right. So I mean, like again, you know, you, you, uh, as as Nick Meyer said, you know, entertainment, um, you know, works better when it's restrained, right? And they they came up with probably the best thing they could come up with in the circumstances to to fill all that time, and it worked out okay. It just, you know, when you don't have the proper time to prepare, when you don't have everything you would normally have, is it going to be the quality you would expect? No, but. You know, it wasn't poor quality, and it's definitely something that, in the '80s and '90s, that was that was a fairly a clip show was fairly common, so no big yeah. deal. Yeah, and then you know, as as we wrap up the second season here, I I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention Pulaski being a much better McCoy analog than Crusher throughout this whole season. So I feel like all the Doctor dialogue would just be easily cut and paste over to her because let's face it, she was a McCoy 2.0. She was a female McCoy, and that's a criticism by a lot of people. I don't mind. I actually like Pulaski. I like Pulaski more than Crusher. That's an unpopular opinion in Star Trek fandom, but I found her, uh, you know, she was refreshing character. She had a lot of agency. Crusher in the early years seemed to be defined by being Wesley's mother and Picard's potential love interest. 
Uh, people have described her as Janice Rand with a PhD, which I find amusing. Uh, obviously, when Gates McFadden came back to the show, she had a lot more input and like, you know, look, I, I want to be doing stuff. And, and, and they used her more to her strengths. They played more to her strengths in episodes like Remember Me and things like that. Uh, but yeah, early Crusher, uh, Pulaski gets her every time. And, uh, you know, in continuity, it can it could be argued that Pulaski is perhaps a descendant of McCoy. So that's why she has so much in common with him. So, you know, the transporter stuff, the back and forth with Data and all that good stuff. So that, that could just, you know, if you want to look at it that way, it works out. So I'm just saying in season two of TNG, it's a unique situation where we basically have McCoy 2.0 as the chief medical officer. So that dialogue would slide in very nicely into a TOS script uh, with McCoy saying her lines. So especially, you know, Shades are great, right? Uh, joking about the transporter, right, with O'Brien, right? So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's true. That's true. I, I think it would have... You know, I, the the dynamics, though, between having Troy and Pulaski, I think, was pretty special. And I, I, if you were to if you were to bring it into TOS just because the big three did everything, you know, it would be hovering along along those lines. But if they were doing it to save money and they were giving the time off to uh, Leonard Nimoy or William Shatner or somebody along, well, let's say it's let's say it's Shatner that's the one who gets gets infected. Um, it, it would have been cool if there was, if maybe it was the doctor and the nurse, right? Nurse chapel that were in the room going through all this, because when it got into like the romance stuff or whatever, you know, their kind of inside laughter as to what they were thinking and the eye, there was, there was some chemistry there, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. I I don't know if it it could be as captured as well in TOS. It would be very different. Let's just put it that way. And fun to watch. Shades of Grey specifically, uh, Spock would have to do a mind meld. (laughs) You know, to, to get an inside Kirk's head, but he's done it before, so that wouldn't be you know out of the ordinary to, to get that uh, to figure out what's going on. Use, you know, you don't think they could have used technology? I mean, they could put that colander thing on his head from <laughs> Spock's brain type of thing and just redress it a little bit so that it could it could manipulate you know the the thoughts and the memories or you know drive it to a certain degree, and you know because obviously one of the big stars would have to have a day off because it saves the money or something. I don't know, but anyway, it's. It, it would have been, like I said, I think it would have been a more appropriate episode for TOS than it wound up being for TNG. It, it would have been hard to capture all that chemistry that they had in it. I don't think it would have been hard to rewrite and do better. Again, you know, like I said, when you're, when you're under severe restraint, you do what you can. And it isn't always going to be what you expect. I think sometimes the questions have to be, you know, is it, is it, is it quantity over quality? Uh, and then it just comes down to, well, wait a minute, we need to have X in order to finance this and get paid for that. And in order to do that, we need to finance next year. So there's a lot more into it. But we, we do often, you know, sometimes see that in the entertainment world, not that common, but sometimes they will say, you know, what, we're just not going to do this. But they did. There it is. Well, you know, in our, in our last conversation on this, I felt like we t- picked a lot of, you know, mediocre to bad episodes to translate to TOS from TNG that would uh, result in better end product. You know, I feel like in, in this time around, we kind of picked a good mix, you know, a grab bag of good and bad. And, and, I, and I think overall, uh, almost all of them would have been improved in the context of TOS. And that's just what we're going for here. That's that's the interesting thing you can look at when you transpose these early TNG episodes. Because once again, this is, you could do this with any season of any Star Trek, sure, but these early couple years of TNG, it was the follow-up to TOS. And that's why it's so interesting to see, like, they, there's a reason these episodes feel so, would feel so at home in TOS, because that's, that's they're just making Star Trek the way they know how to make Star Trek. And that's a very interesting point that you came up with here, Ken, about, you know, they tried so hard to distance themselves, they ended up coming back around... <laughs> 
know, in yeah. that in that way, and like, yeah, this is this is straight out of TOS. So, uh, but th- th- <laughs> these have been fun. These have been fun conversations, and I hope you guys enjoy them as well. Uh, but hey, before we go today, I do want to remind everyone that we still have our iTunes giveaway going on. If you go to our iTunes page, we're standing orbit. Leave us a review before November seventeenth. That's our cutoff date. You will be entered for a chance to win. Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 on Blu-ray. So leave us some feedback, good, bad, positive, negative, anything is good. Constructive criticism is always welcome, and so is praise. So feel free to tell us whatever you want about Stan but please do leave us an iTunes review that helps us out at the iTunes store, and you could win Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 on Blu-ray. So yeah, that's, that's pretty nice of you to, to, to give that away. And, you know, Zach, the key is, that, like you said, anything you want to write, you write. We're not going to uh, say, hey, five-star reviews. Hey, those are nice. Uh, but, you know, our, our, our role here is to do what we can in terms of trying to provide the best entertainment possible. And sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. Or sometimes Zach knocks it out of the park and I screw them all up. And that happens sometimes. You know, uh, I would never say I carry Zach. The, the kid just seems to know everything. Drives me freaking crazy. <laughs> but we, we do have a good time here. And, and, and that's really all, what it's about. We, we, want to, we want to grow. We want to grow this audience. We want to make sure that we're hitting on the right topics. We want to have that right mix between the TOS episodes, the movies, these crossovers, uh, the reboots, the whole nine yards. So let us know. I mean, I, we, we appreciate the feedback we get on the Babel Conference as well. But we do want to drive more listeners. And, and any any good reviews obviously help that on iTunes. And if they're not so good reviews, then that's just going to create a... No, we're not going to get mad at the message. We're going to work harder to get better. And that's that's what our total objective is here. So so thanks for, for taking the time to do that for all who does. And this will be completely random. So and, um, and and keep in mind, I, I am a little sensitive, so, you know. <laughs> All right, Ken. Well, we love TOS and TNG, but those aren't the only things we've been talking about here on Trek FM this past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. So going to Destination Star Trek and being able to see the crew... You know, some of the crew, some of the major, you know, still living members of the 60s original series crew. Well, it was a, it's a bit of a bucket list moment for me. Saturday Morning Trek. And all these things just brought in more and more people who thought they were alone and they found each other and they made their clubs and they then they made conventions. And that just that's what the 70s were about, was getting Star Trek back and finding each other. Melodic Treks. Imagine that scene without that music. That music is so poignant and so beautiful. And they had played it earlier in the episode, and it wasn't sad when they played it earlier. It was romantic. It was happy. It was freeing. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and, of course, you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at Trek.fm and grab the RSS link as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscription button. That makes it easier for our listeners to find the show when they search for iTunes. And we love new listeners, so please, please, please subscribe directly to Standard Orbit as well as the Trek FM Master Feed and help us increase our visibility for new listeners. Also, we would ask you to help us out with Patreon. Well, what is Patreon? Well, Patreon is the method that we use to fund the network. So I would encourage you all, if you can, if you can afford it, to go on to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM, and become a patron. 
And for as little as $15 a month, you can join Trek FM's Patron Roundtable, which is wonderful. I mean, this is how I found my way onto the network. And who knows what could happen to you, right? You, you might find your way. And then if you're kind enough to donate $25 per month or more, uh, you get associate producer credit for the shows of your choice. And that's a big deal. And speaking of that, we would like to say thank you always to our associate producers for this show, for Standard Orbit, Renee Roberts, Richard Rutledge, and Aaron Harvey. Thanks so much for all of your support for both Standard Orbit and for Trek FM through Patreon. You can find Renee on Twitter at MRES underscore 1701. Richard, you can find at at RUT8972. And you can find our buddy Aaron Harvey at GeekFilter, all on Twitter. So look them up, follow them, and, uh, and thank you again. And if you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look into the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm. And please leave us a voice message that we can play here on the show. You can hear your own voice on the podcast. Pretty fun. So feel free to do that. And you can also contact us through Twitter at TrekFM or through Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM and the Babel Conference. To find us at the Babel Conference, type The Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at Trek.FM and click Discussion on the menu bar. Babel Conference is a great way for you to connect with fellow listeners and the hosts of the network. So as for me personally, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H, and I'm also the host of my own podcast called Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman TV show, and we're on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. What about you, Ken? So you can find me as well on the Babel Conference, that's where I like to hang out. It's my favorite spot on Facebook, to be honest with you. It's the safest, funnest, uh, most respectful spot to talk Star Trek on the entire interweb. So look for me there and feel free to also look for me on Facebook at any time and feel free to IM me with questions or, or, or if you just want to hook up and be friends. Or you can, uh, you can get information from me via Twitter. Yes, I am on Twitter now at Boston SCPO. That's Boston Senior Chief Petty Officer SCPO. And I look forward to communicating with you in between these shows and especially when they drop. That's when it's a lot of fun. So we'll talk to you soon. So thanks, everyone, again for listening. And join us next time here on Trek.fm for another episode of Standard Orbit. Standard Orbit.